Hey, what's going on? This is Brandon. This is Joshua. Hey, this is Dave. And this is Spider One. And Chrissy Fox from Allegoria. And you are now tuned into PVD Horror. Pretty. All of you are very pretty. (laughs) Please love I love you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We have two very special guests today, very talented people. We have musician and filmmaker Spider One and actress and filmmaker Chrissy Fox. Uh, They're here to talk about their upcoming film, Allegoria, which is going to be releasing on Shudder and on demand on August 2nd. Uh, So, Chrissy, Spider One, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, and Spider, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. I know you're currently on the Freaks on Parade tour. How's that been going? Yeah, it's been great. This is the first day off we've had. Um, and uh, it's been amazing. Crazy. Yeah. Like if you were a uh, teenager in 1999, this is your dream tour. You know, <laughs> Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, Static X and Power Man 5000. It's wow. like getting a time machine. But yeah, it's been amazing. Every night's been crazy like 12,000 screaming maniacs so uh couldn't be happier that's cool. so cool you know it, it's so funny because i was uh before you know when i was like thinking about things that, uh, to talk about i was like what year was power man 5000 and i looked at 99 and it brings me back to this like such a specific time in my life um <laughs> thinking about but like it, you guys were such a, like a defining band in that time period um yeah the bands all you the bands you just mentioned but i also think like limp biscuit had a couple of songs that came out that year um seven dust like it's there's so many defining bands and you were you guys were a major major part of that um yeah i mean that that whole time period between like 97 and 99 was crazy for so many bands came out and yeah we were such a you know we were lucky enough to be a part of that time where there were you know so many great tours to be a part of like the Oz fest and everything. And, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we started, uh, in Boston in like 92, we'd play Providence. Remember the, uh, there was a club called the living room. Yes. Maybe, maybe yep. you guys remember that one. We'd play there all the time. They had a pole in the middle of the stage. Just, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And club baby head was another one in Providence that we'd play. <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. What was what was the scene like when you guys kind of you know reached like the height of of your popularity at that time? Uh, what was that like for you? How did that change your life? Yeah, I mean it was it was nuts because we didn't ever expect it. You know, I mean we just I mean uh, when we started doing music, it was no real master plan. You know, we just see if we could write a song, see if we could play a show, and then it just started to grow. And uh, you know, we were, I guess, fortunate at the time MTV still was around and still played rock music. So um, we had, you know, we, I mean, we were banned for years and years before we got a record deal. And then we put a, a record out on DreamWorks that did okay. But it wasn't until the second one, then we released the song When Worlds Collide, which kind of changed everything and took off and, you know, sort of 10 years of struggling became like overnight success and suddenly seemed like everyone knew who we were. Yeah. Yeah. And Chrissy, you're also part of the band uh, Knee High Fox. Uh, you have written several number one hits and top 10 radio hits. Are you currently working on anything with the band? And will we ever hear a Power Man 5000 and Knee High Fox collaboration? <laughs> well, it's funny you ask that. Uh, Spider and I actually have this had this little side project we were doing for fun called Dead is Punk, where it's sort of more rap based. Oh, okay. Uh, 
It's really, it's a really fun project. It's out there. You know, people can find it. There's a few songs and we performed it. We've actually toured together before. So we performed a song or two together. Um, And then, yeah, no, I've been, uh, Nehi Fox has been on hiatus pretty much since COVID uh, because we got Mm -hmm. so deep into the film stuff, but I'm sure soon. And I actually just uh, wrote a bunch of songs, co-wrote with the band Theory of a Dead Man for their new record. So that's going to be out soon. So that's really exciting. Um, But yeah, no, we've just been so into the film world right now that it's, it's kind of taken up a lot of my time. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, speaking of your films, you also, you know, aside from this project and your upcoming projects, you're also in one of the Underworld movies. Yeah. Um, where you, you were played a, a vampire, which, you know, seeing you here, like you totally look like you would be in an Underworld <laughs> vampire like a- film. Uh, I totally picture that. What was that experience like for you? It was the coolest thing. It it kind of really made me excited about the possibility of making films and just getting to do a creature you know of any kind is really cool and obviously the budget on that film was ridiculous and the actors were ridiculous and just getting to go to that set and the Mm -hmm. amount of details that they focused on and I Len Wiseman that director he is just he's so involved and hands-on and he's the type of director that you know I want to be and I mm-hmm. think that's really important. Every little detail was important to him and the music was really important to him. And so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the excitement of me making my own films came from working on films like that. And also just loving to be a creature and getting to be a vampire or a monster in something is really, really fun. Yeah. Girls don't get that a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Spider, also I noticed that you grew up in Massachusetts, not far from us. And we were just kind of talking about some of the local places that you uh, performed. Um, and we had like guests like Tony Todd that, you know, lived in Rhode Island for like five years. Um, and we talked about some of his favorite spots he came to. Like, what are some local spots that you like to go to when, you, when you're back home? Uh, well, I, it's funny. I just got I just went back to Boston uh, not long ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of places are gone now. But uh, it was so cool to be back in that city because that was such a big part of, you know, I, I was born in a town called Haverhill, which is about yeah, 40 miles north of Boston, mm-hmm. um, where there isn't much to you know, do there. But as soon as I could, I moved to Boston and, you know, uh, you know, I used to always just hang out in Kenmore Square. And uh, there was a mm-hmm. club called The Rat that used to be there that is unfortunately no longer there. And that was that was really where I uh, started, you know, that's where power man would play all the time. And, um, mm-hmm. but it's such a great city, man. It was, it was really fun to go back there and just hang out like in Fenway where I used to live. And, yeah. you know, but it's changed a lot too. It's gotten a yeah. lot nicer and fancier from what mm-hmm. I remember. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me ask you a question. Cause you guys mentioned the uh, little collab you guys had and uh, being like rapping, like having rap, in it and um you know spider like the genre that like new metal i don't know if you like that term or not but like that's kind of influenced by rap as well so is that something that like you've li- you listen to outside of like what metal and all that stuff yeah i mean i'm i'm i am i make i love all genres of music as long as it's good but yeah rap was a big part of my like influence growing up i mean there was a couple of forms of music when it, really punk rock is what inspired me to make music because it was the first time I ever heard anything that made sense to me. And that I thought like, well, maybe I could do that. You know what I mean? Because before Mm -hmm. that I was listening to, you know, whatever was on the radio and it seemed very 
unachievable. You know what I mean? But then all of a sudden I discovered, you know, the Ramones and the Clash and the mm. Sex Pistols and then a lot of hardcore bands, Black Flag or whatever. And then mm-hmm. even further, local Boston hardcore bands and really got deep into that scene. And so that was the music that really uh, made sense to me because you didn't, it wasn't about being some proficient guitar player or a singer with a beautiful voice. It was just about an energy and an attitude. And the same, I, I got the same thing when rap sort of exploded, um, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s for me. It was the same kind of thing. It was about an attitude and not about, you know, necessarily musicianship and stuff. So those two two forms of music had a lot to do with shaping my tastes and also, you know, kind of how Power Man is this kind of eclectic mix of a lot of different styles of music. Yeah. Okay. I always, I always wondered that because I know, you know, I think about some of the bands at that time, there was such a heavy rap influence. And I always wondered like, well, what inspired them to kind of go that route? Like, I think, you know, I honestly think a lot of that had to do, you got to think back then in the mid nineties, it was very much the, the time of the explosion of like the i the iPod, you know what I mean? When mm-hmm. everybody had their yeah. music on shuffle. And I think that had a lot to do with it where you'd be listening to, you know, Slayer and then, uh public enemy would come on and then something else would come on and you and i think a generation of kids grew up you know feeling it was okay to like all different kinds of music and 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 it made sense to them whereas before that it was very much like you were either metal or punk rock or this or that and those barriers broke down and then you saw all these bands go yeah man let's do it all let's put it all together in a blender and make a weird sounding band you know? <laughs> yeah so as horror fans, we all have a cool story of how we were first introduced to the genre. How do you guys get involved in horror and what are some of your favorite films? Um, for me, uh, my parents didn't really limit things that I could watch. They weren't into horror or anything like that. But I discovered early on, like really young, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and <laughs> it literally terrified me to like the core of my being. And then I just wanted to watch it again right away because it just nothing made me feel so, so many things at once and so terrified. And so, so um, that film was really influential. And then also just given my age, uh, films like The Craft and the original Scream that, you know, I was like 11, you know, when that was coming out. So I was just, I was like, oh, these girls are there. Like, those are the girls I want to hang out with. So a lot of films like that really influenced me. And the way I write or even the way I act spiders even pointed out, he's like, I see some like Nev Campbell moments and yeah, some yeah. of your choices with your acting. And I'm like, that's really cool because, you know, she was someone that I grew up watching. So, so yeah, definitely that was a very, very big influence for me. Yeah. And for me, it was like as early as I can remember, you know, I was, uh, I feel fortunate to be, have grown up in the seventies and the eighties where, everything seemed to be based around monsters and music. You know, I remember Saturday morning cartoons were always, you know, the groovy ghoulies or whatever, you know, and, and then uh, in, in Boston, there was a channel. I don't know if you guys, you're probably too young to remember. It was channel 56 and every Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, they would have this show called creature double feature and they okay. would show two horror movies. So you might get Godzilla uh, versus the smog monster followed by I was a teenage werewolf or something. And so every Saturday, me and Rob would plop our asses in front of the TV and watch creature double feature. And so, you know, and then 
you know, it, finding all the classic Universal stuff and King Kong. And, you know, I'm also old enough to have seen Jaws in the theater, The Shining in the theater. So, you know, these are things that have been with me since I was a little kid. Yeah, those are classic films right there. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about One Fox Productions. You both created this platform to create homegrown horror sci-fi films. How does it feel to make films with your own style? I mean, it's kind of what we always wanted to do. You know, we started out doing music videos and we both wanted to get into making features and doing more narrative-based projects. And so honestly, when the pandemic hit and we realized, oh, there's no touring, there's no, we got a shift here. And I was really missing acting, but I also wanted to create films as well. And so we just went for it and we started out, we did a couple short films and then like, you know what, this thing isn't going away. We should shoot for a feature. And we have made four features since 2020, um, which is crazy. And we just kind of learned how to do everything ourselves in house. Like, you know, I do all the post on the films and the editing and, you know, whether Spider writes and directs something and I'll produce with him or vice versa. So it's, it's just been this really creative collaborative thing that has been really cool. Our, our film that's coming out after Allegoria, we co-wrote together, which is something new that we haven't done. So yeah, it just keeps building. And um, yeah, we just really wanted to take control of what we're making and the content we're putting out there. And we realized that we can, and no one was going to get in our way or stop us. And, you know, people have become really excited about what we're doing, which is kind of the dream, exactly what we wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we just decided not to wait around for, you know, if you you could spend a lifetime waiting for someone to knock on your door and say, Hey, uh, guys want to make a movie, but that's <laughs> not, really not going to happen. So, you yeah. know, we had, we had, when we started coming, you know, sort of toying with the idea of making movies, we, we sort of reached out to other people we knew and maybe to try to partner with them. And it just, nothing ever went anywhere. It was always just a lot of talk and no action. And we just decided that, let's just do it ourselves and we'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll find the money. We'll find the way to do it. We knew a lot of great actors. So that was going to be, you know, we had that uh, advantage and. And our team, we have the most incredible team, our cinematographer and our sound people and just our effects people. So everybody was just excited to make something. And especially when this all started, it was like, no one was working. So all the actors were so, they're like, I feel like I haven't acted. I feel like I'm not even myself. And same with, you know, just shooting something or just our effects girls being like, I just get to make a monster today. This is what I want to do. This is mm-hmm. why I'm here. So it's kind of created this thing where now we all have such a loyalty to each other that we use the same people over and over again. And it's become this cool. bigger thing. That's awesome. I, I really, sorry, Brian, I was just gonna say, I really appreciate like just that um, ability to like take a take a risk and say, this is what we want to do and not just wait around for the, you know, for something to come your way. I think that's um, the mindset of some people is like, oh, just wait for this opportunity when that time's right. But like, at some point you really do just have to take action and, and yeah, take think, risks. Yeah. We, you know, we, and we've all, we're all guilty of it. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. you convince yourself that you need permission or somebody has to help you or, I don't know, maybe you're not qualified or, but it really isn't about that. It's about just working really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you make something, it, you know, it's great because you, you don't, you know, you have no idea what the next what will lead to, you know? So the mm-hmm. important thing is just putting in the work, making something and putting out there for the world. And 
you never know where that will lead you. So, yeah. but you know, I think a lot of us are, you know, I know certainly me, I don't know if you guys had this experience in new England, but I grew up with this. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's unique to new England, but I grew up with this. It seemed like the attitude around me was like, Oh yeah, that's for those fancy people out there in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Not for you. You're just going to stay here with us losers. You know, like it just, <laughs> I always got this idea that like, I, I couldn't do anything. You know, that was for like special people. And then I realized maybe a lot later than I should have. It's like, no, it's not. It's for you. It's for whoever wants to just take yeah. control and work hard, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a self-defeatist New England thing that I suffered from, at least growing up. Oh, I for got sure. It. Yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's I, I, the thing. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Uh, I was going to say that was a thing, too. You know, we started off just doing like monthly movie nights and stuff like that. And our goal was always to have a podcast. And then we took advantage of that during the pandemic and kind of created that. And so now we're being able to like interview people like yourselves and like, you know, other people that starred in other films. And so it's like we we didn't think that we would be able to be at this point. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like, like you said, we just took that chance and kind of just ran with it. So. Yeah. And the only difference between you and somebody else is that you guys actually did it, you know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sitting around talking about it all the time, you know, yeah. and, and we're, we're old dudes. So, I mean, it took us a while to get the, uh, <laughs> get the ability to just be like, all right, we guys got to do this. So yeah, yeah it is. I mean, I think that's a great lesson for anybody that's listening and, you know, that has an idea or a dream that they want to do. You just got to take a risk at some point. You can't just wait for yeah. that opportunity to come. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So now Allegoria is set to release on demand and shutter on August 2nd. Can you guys tell us and the listeners about the film? Yeah. I mean, Allegoria is a sort of pseudo anthology. It's not really a traditional anthology, but it is made up of five separate stories. But the difference in this movie is that all the stories do interconnect Mm -hmm. through character and circumstance. And um, it's based around uh, basically art in monsters, you know, art and horror, the, 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 you know, we, we focus on a different art form in each story and how those artists, uh, egos and insecurities and obsessions manifest these horrible things in their lives and get Mm -hmm. passed on, uh, to the next person. Um, so it was really fun to dive into that world because our, you know, art and horror share a lot of things, you know, Mm -hmm. And just like I've said this before, but just the way artists are described, you know, as being tortured or suffering. I mean, those are just horror movie, you know, yeah. horror movie uh, yeah. descriptions. Right. So mm-hmm. it made perfect sense to me. And, and, and being, you know, a person that spent their life trying to exist as a creative person, you know, it was a really personal thing for me to relate to this idea of that struggle, you know, mm-hmm. in the times that you're doubting yourself and the times that you're, you know, you don't know what's next and those, uh, those, uh, you know, moments when you look at yourself in the mirror and go like, what the fuck have you done? Like, what are you doing? Go get a real job, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's sort of based around that whole concept, you know? Yeah. 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 So now Vincent van Gogh's final words, the sadness will last forever, sets the tone for this film being one of the first things to appear on the screen in the opening credits. Can you explain what that quote means to this film? I mean, for me, the, the Vincent van Gogh quote, and who knows if that's real, right? Like he, I I, my my first instinct when I saw that was like, no way. <laughs> it was something I researched, and it was it, for, as far as I know that. But yeah, it almost doesn't matter, right? Because mm. I, to me, the sentiment is that you know, Van Gogh to me is the ultimate 
tortured artist. You know, when we reference mm-hmm. him a couple of times in the movie mm-hmm. and just the, you know, this, this idea that he cut his own ear off, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's you know, like, there's no other, uh, physical manifestation that we could have used it as an example to represent the tortured artist. So, um, I just thought it was like set the, yeah, like you said, set the tone for the, for what everybody yeah. was in for. <laughs> yeah. Um, the film's title for me is, uh, just so fitting uh, for what the film is like, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a metaphor for everything that you're trying to show. And there's so many themes in here that I, I loved. Um, I think Brandon, I know had, had since we had talked about it prior to this interview, just like the creative process is what this is really about. And it's about the um, where it can take us, the duality that exists in all of us uh, having, you know, good and evil. And, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like, it's in all of us there's this idea of good and evil in all of us. And like, sometimes our, our artistic expression can, can bring that out in kind of a safer way. Uh, but in here we see it in some other ways. Uh, so yeah. like for you, aside from just the creative process, what other themes were you trying to capture in here? I mean, I just think the, the frailty of, of people, you know, um, I think art artists tend to wear it on their sleeves more than most people, but I think we all share that, you know, there's multiple scenes in the movie of people staring at themselves in the mirror. And I always thought that that was such a great representation of those most vulnerable moments we all have, you know, mm-hmm. when you're looking at yourself and you're just maybe don't recognize yourself or, you know, whether it's like, man, you got old or man, you fucked up or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of reference to that. So I really think it's, you know, and it's also about, you know, how you represent yourself, uh, you know, Marcus, the painting, the painter character in the movie is, is kind of like the clearest example of putting on this bravado of how talented he is and how much better he is. He, he's, you know, he looks down on his girlfriend for wanting to act because that's not real mm-hmm. art and et cetera. But then when he's alone, he's just, a, you know, he looks at himself as a fraud. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think these things are scary. You know, I, I, I've joked before that like we, in terms of horror, we could live a hundred years and never be chased down the street by a guy in a hockey mask with an ax. But we all will have those moments of self-doubt and anxiety and panic. And yeah. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, even if you're not an artist, I think you will see yourself in some of these people. The the author one was me. Um, (laughs) And the uh, what really like it's the questioning after Mm -hmm. and like, you know, that he gets from the character he's created. I I, yeah. Yeah. It's as if you're if your script could talk back to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. Every one of these was a metaphor for a different variation or some kind of um, situation like that. But it was like it also fit for different personalities. And you could kind of like, you know, see other people, you know, through those lens. And it, it was really really well done yeah it's very interesting to hear what resonates with people you know because i've done a lot of interviews today and which stories and some people are like man that story with scout and adam bush that was the one that hit home and then other people have Mm -hmm. said yeah the screenwriting one and i think that's that's i you know i get it makes me excited that that it seems to be the intent of the film is working where people are seeing themselves in in these people you know uh, speaking of Scout, what was it like to to work with her? She she her segment was awesome. Uh, she did great in that. 
Yeah, Scout's great. I mean, she's a, she's a brilliant actress and we've been friends with Scout for quite a while now. And I think I met Scout on the set of Halloween two when she was probably what, 19 or 20 or, mm-hmm. um, so we've, we've made, remained friends. And you know, the, the, the cool part about this, this role for Scout is that it really is, um, you know, except for the murdering killing part, like really that feels <laughs> no. like who the real Scout is, you know what I mean? Sure. The Scout will play the victim a lot in movies or, you know, other roles that, but to me, this, you know, Scout's a very charming, warm person in, in, in person and I felt like this role was such a great opportunity for her to show that side of her because it feels don't you think it feels like most naturally like her yeah I think so I think I think both of the projects she's actually in our new film coming out as well and both of them it's like yeah she actually really gets to be her she's seriously sunshine in the room so Mm. and yeah everybody thinks so so yeah definitely I agree yeah um opposite of sunshine in the room chrissy <laughs> yeah your, your character was pretty awesome also uh yeah so like this is not a spoiler for anyone listening because this happens within like the first segment of the movie but your character has a, a quick transition yes into uh mm-hmm. like a demonic character um yeah. and i was just curious like you take your version of a demon is a little <laughs> different than some others we've seen yeah um, definitely gruesome and very cool effects. So like, what were you trying to pull from with how you were portraying the demon? You know, I think this character is really unique because I've, you know, we've seen a lot of possession films, but she's just so sweet and sad and everybody treats her awful. And all she wants is just to, you know, her boyfriend, she wants him to be proud of her. She just wants to be happy and excited for her little wins and just like nothing ever seems to go her way. And then obviously all of these horrible things continue to happen to her. She's abused by her acting coach. And, Mm. and Mm. it's just, so I just wanted to really beyond obviously the scariness of her, I wanted her sadness to be in there. And I also just imagine if you've gone through all that and then you really, you always are just a sweet person. And then you finally just let everything out. And that's kind of what happened in the moment with Ennis, just, I literally stood there for three hours with that guy screaming at me. So, you know, it wasn't hard to, and spitting on me to just be like, I want to kill you. <laughs> like, you know, and then that's just kind of what naturally came out. And his reaction to me was almost funny because it's what would really happen. And he just cowers like a little girl, you know, and it's, just, it's so, I think it really worked, but I think it's just, I, I thought a lot about what this poor girl's going through and also just, I can relate to it. You know, I'm an actress. I've been there. Yeah. I've been, you know, you go through a lot of heartbreak and a lot of rejection and a lot of struggling. So I think just, and I think that this character was an extremely sweet version of, you know, a lot of actresses. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it wasn't that hard to just be like, Ah, like and that was the first thing we shot was when the Mm -hmm. the ennis scene which was you know we shot my secondary stuff much later i don't know six months later or something right spider like so yeah yeah. so it was cool to go back to that and then also get to have some moments where she gets to be a little more human and a little more you kind of get to understand her a little bit and i love i love the way it wraps back around that was yeah yeah, i mean that that was what I was going to say is that, you know, story number five is really story number one. 
Yeah. Yes. So, we get, so we open and we have no idea what, why is this happening? And yeah. um, so to have to sort of have to go to the very end of the film to find out, oh, the six notes and this and that, you know, um, the whole thing is, it was a really fun puzzle to put together. Yeah, yeah definitely. It was cool to get to bring the monster back to, you know, not <laughs> yeah. have it one time. Yeah. Yeah. You get to see a different version of it. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Like I like we would t- um Dave was saying earlier, we were like kind of like talking about the film. Like I just love the creativity of the film with you both being musicians, writers, directors, and producers and podcasters. People don't often see or understand how much creativity can affect a person. You know, this film really made me look at what we have going on as a group as PVD Har. There's three of us. One of them, one of us couldn't make it today. Okay. It's not always perfect, you know, and sometimes we create our own insecurities and manifest our, um, ourselves into monsters like in the film. Uh, um, and so with you both being in groups, how were some things, what are some things that you guys kind of did, you did to kind of like ease the issues and attention throughout the years, like to not have those monsters being created? Oh. Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like for me, it's just constant. Like I always say, you got a reset button. You're constantly mm-hmm. resetting mm-hmm. because you're always trying to figure out what's next and how do I make that happen? And it's always yeah. on your shoulders. There's, there's no one coming to you going, Hey, we did this for you and you now go do it. So you're all, you know, whether it's writing a new album, mm-hmm. I mean, writing a script, whatever it is, it's like you're, you're in this constant loop of resetting your energy You've got to be your own best cheer, you know, biggest cheerleader because, you know, the world, at least modern world and internet world seems to just want to see everybody fail. No. So like, you have to be there like always, you know, and, and which is great. Now we have each other to be a cheerleader for each other. But, um, but for me, I mean, it's, as, it's really as simple as that, just believing in yourself and, and knowing that, you know, you said a perfect point. You said it's not always perfect. And I think yeah. that that's exactly how you should think about everything you do. Because uh, nothing, there is no such thing, especially with art. There's no perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the important thing is that it, it exists. And it may be someone's favorite movie in the world, or somebody may watch it and say, this is the worst piece of garbage I've ever seen. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that it exists in the world and it will do something for somebody, you know? So just to be, yeah, just to, just to always be uh, on your own side is important. Yeah. I think like to just regardless, whether it's touring and you're just having a, you know, the tour is long and you're exhausted and you're trying to get to the next show, you have to like celebrate the little wins and the little things. So it's like, you know, if, you have a 17 hour drive and you haven't slept in four days and you've barely eaten, but then you're like, but I get to play a show and all these people came out and they want to see you play and they want to hear your songs. So you have to like take the time to appreciate the little wins or, you know, we just got to screen Allegoria in front of a couple audiences, like Mm -hmm. after all of this work and we got to sit there and like watch it and hear people react. Like you got to take that in and celebrate it for what it is. It's, it's a huge accomplishment. You have to be, allowed to be proud of yourself and allowed to just enjoy like the little moments. I think people forget too sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think if you get older too, you're pretty, you, you, things don't stress you out as much. Like I remember <laughs> the days of like, you know, if my microphone wouldn't work, I'd slam it on the, you know, <laughs> flip off the sound guy and storm. Now I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> you know, you just sort of, you realize things that don't matter. You know what yeah. I mean? And, exactly. uh, 
yeah. So that's helped a lot too. <laughs> All right. Appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> Let me ask, um, is there a segment in, in Allegoria that either of you like resonated more with, with you? Um, yeah. I mean, I think weirdly enough, I think the character I got to play, mm. I resonated with her the most because of being an actress like I said and because of going through disappointments and going through struggles I'm not as insecure or necessarily as like I don't let you know my boyfriend treat me like that and I don't you know I wouldn't put up with that from an acting coach but you know everyone has you know those weird insecurities inside of them and also just like the sadness for that girl because you know what like I started at a young age and I like spider says as you get older every little thing doesn't get to you you kind of go with it more but when I was younger I didn't feel like that and and so I really did connect to even the moment when in the doorway with the monologue and how emotional it felt like I felt that in the moment just thinking about what this poor girl's gone through and what's inside of her and what she's struggling with. And so definitely I, I felt like that. And I, I think spider will say this and he could talk more, but I think for him, he's a hundred percent like the painter. <laughs> oh, that's what you said. <laughs> I, do, yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I was like, uh, you, because we were, she's like, what's your favorite one of, you know, and I, I'm like, I don't really have a favorite, but I, I do really, there's something about the, the painting one. I just, I don't know. I really love it. And I just think, and she's like, that's because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Am I that terrible? Mm. No, he's not as mean as him, but he, the way he is with his painting, when Spider's painting, it's like you either, it's a it's a great moment if he's having a good day with it. And if not, you stay the fuck away from him. <laughs> um, will we ever see a full length uh, film about Big Baby? And that is a question <laughs> from our third member, Joshua, who's not here today. He, he is not the first to ask for that. For oh, trust okay. me. Every time we screen it, someone, the first question is like, all right, when are we going to see the big baby movie? <laughs> I have a feeling that we have no choice at this point to at least make some big baby. Maybe maybe it'll be a short film or something, but we have to do something with big baby. People okay. just love it. It's mm-hmm. so ridiculous and so funny. We have a three-year-old daughter, almost three-year-old daughter, and her, she's obsessed with big baby. Just, oh, yeah. She just wants to watch that part over and over and over. Yeah, not to mention she knows the entire monologue from my end scene, which is really weird for a two-year-old to be like saying death needs more death. And yeah, that's really mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so <laughs> um so spider, I, I want to ask you, um, you know, I know that obviously the creative styling differences of you and your brother are probably already there. But I was curious, like taking this venture, creating horror films, was that something that was like present in your mind that you also want to like make it separate from anything that looks or resembles a Rob Zombie type film? Um, Just because you feel like there might be, you know, not that it would happen, but like sometimes we kind of feel like, is it going to be compared to my brother? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I expect those comparisons for sure. I mean, the funny thing is that me and Rob are very, very similar people, like personally, like, you know what I mean? We, the way we speak, the way that, you know, the things we love, the things we grew up loving, watching, very similar, like taste and movies and music. But, but when it comes down to it, we do very, have very different aesthetics when we create, you know what I mean? Like he is, you know, it is unmistakably Rob, you know what I mean? Yeah. And this movie is definitely not 
a Rob movie. You know, I mean, it just isn't. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. I think people are will appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, but it's not. I guess you're asking, is it? It's not a conscious decision to to try not to be like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't know what the you know the next. I know what the next thing we're doing is, but uh, you know, down the line there might be something <laughs> that is more in that uh, world. I don't know. Um, but you know, it's um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I hope people will be appreciative of the differences and the similarities of, of yeah. the things that we, we, ha we do because, you know, we did grow up together and we did, we, we lived off the same influences and, um, but, I don't know. Uh, as an outsider though, I have to say like, they both have such a like specific style. That's very different. Like I watch both and I knowing them both so well, like it's just, yeah, they it's I don't even I can't even imagine them making something that would be similar. It it just it's just they just stylistically naturally even the way they both paint. It's very yeah. different. Yeah. And and that's cool because I think like yeah, like their influences come from the same place, but it almost like split apart and took two separate versions of that which is special. And very rare that two siblings do the same thing and that is the case, you know. I mean, Rob's influence on me um has been I think through example, you know, I think Rob is probably more than anyone that I know, the most uncompromising person, you know, when it comes to creating, you know, he will do or die, love it or hate it. He's going to do what he wants to do, you know, and it, which is rare in, in this business because it's so hard to make a movie or to have a TV show or to write an album that it's very tempting to, compromise and bend and well they want me to do it this way but you know rob is from day one always just stuck to his guns and made the kind of movies that he he wants to make and the kind of albums that he wants to make so i think that really beyond like stylistically that has been the biggest influence for me is to see that and see that it's possible to do that and go like i'm gonna no i'm gonna do what i want to do you know you don't have to like it and that's yeah. fine but it's, at the end of the day, I can walk away from it knowing like I, it's exactly how I want it to be. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, um, you know, I just wanted to say one thing that I, I think your, your style, I can't wait to see future films because I, I enjoy the style of this film and I, I can't wait to see what else it, you're, uh, you're going to bring us. But one thing that I think is a similarity is just looks different. Um, kind of like what Chrissy was saying, how you guys are doing to, similar things but in different uh variations your use of music um and you did it di very different like he his soundtracks are very like you know a rob zombie soundtrack to a film a score like yeah he, with yours it was like this beautiful uh music that created this tense moment or like in the, the opening scene right there the the use of music to create a a feeling was so present and it's similar in his films too. So I think you yeah. guys both utilize it in, in different ways, but it's, it's there. And for me, I, I loved it right. As soon as the, you know, the title flashes, I was like, Oh, I'm, this, is, mm -hmm. this is, I know what we're in for here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all appreciate, you know, as being musicians and the, how important sound and music is in a film, you know, arguably more important the way the, than the way the film looks, you know, um, because your eyes will adjust to anything, but your ears, it's a different, you know. So I think that, yeah, you're right. I think the use of, of, of soundscapes and music and sound design is, uh, you know, we've all heard the classic stories of Halloween and Jaws and all these movies that just weren't working until 
the right piece right. of music was in there or the right, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's true. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll run into that. We'll be editing and a scene just, it's just like, it's maybe not working. And then suddenly start creeping in some sounds some tones. And then all of a sudden it becomes mm-hmm. a whole different thing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just even the gore element sometimes, just like when you get that extra sound in there, you're like, oh my God, this is so hard to watch now. Whereas before it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. It's just disgusting. <laughs> it's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. So just checking out Allegoria, like I can't wait to check out the, like a project that you guys worked on called uh, Bury the Bride that you both yeah. co-wrote and produced. Like, I can't wait to check that out. Uh, is there a release date set for that? Not yet. I mean, we're, I mean, it'll be next year, uh, okay. hopefully or sooner than later, but, um, yeah, bury the bride is, we, we definitely took it up a notch. Um, you know, <laughs> if allegory is like a cerebral movie, bury the bride's a physical movie, you know, okay. it's, it's like, oh, okay. it's, it's intense and it's, uh, it's a smart movie, but it's, it's definitely a lot more, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess physical is a, the term, you know, there's, there's more, I guess, action and, uh, it feels very heavy too. Don't you think sweater? Like we were talking about like the first week of me starting to edit this, I was mm. in this like, dark funk and I realized it's because it was affecting the movie affected me so much. And just like the, the characters you grow attached to and just seeing like these things that are happening to them. And even spider was saying some, we did all night shoots on this film and he would be driving home after a character died in the film. And he was like, sad like he like lost somebody he was just Mm. it messed with you yeah because you grow attached not only to the actors but the characters and you know you clearly they're not really dying but there is something that like happens to you when you you're shooting the death scene you know and and Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. with talented actors and you're believing it and yeah you go home like feeling a little bit bummed out like man we really killed off uh carmen tonight that's awful like why'd we do that but no uh, it's super it's it's a super cool and one of the funnest parts i got to be me and scout got to play sisters which was so much fun because i just love working with scout but sadly we argue like 95 percent of the movie so (laughs) oh geez yeah yes we do do. but yeah it was quite a undertaking bury the bride was uh like christy said we shot all nights Mm-hmm. And uh, in the middle of the desert in Lancaster, California, with like uh, Santa Ana winds, 50 mile an hour winds, sand tornadoes, rattlesnakes. Oh, yeah. It, it was, I mean, you've heard stories of like, you know, shooting Apocalypse Now and Jaws. And mm-hmm. how, this is going to be one of those movies where, where we right. finally tell the story of how this thing was made. Mm. It was rough. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> we all look like hell in it too which is amazing like I, i've never looked so beat up in a film but i was supposed to i guess so it's good yeah. but uh, yeah. i remember distinctly night six probably 3 a.m in the morning we still had to shoot like two more scenes we had to shoot this scene uh with this something terrible happens to someone in a car and i'm just like it's not quite working and it's just i i remember uh, crews all around and I remember thinking in my head, I just want to lay on the floor, curl up a ball and say, I can't do this, guys. <laughs> it was so exhausting. But we did it. We made it yeah. through it. We did it. Yeah. I can't wait to check it out once it's all finished. Yeah. Sooner than later, hopefully. Yeah. All right. All right. And hopefully, if uh, the timing's right, you guys can come on here and tell everybody about it when that. When yeah, that we'll definitely out. give you all the backstory once it's Make out. Make sure you have a couple hours for that one. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So Allegoria, we said, what, August 2nd, we'll be on Shutter. Yeah. Uh, I think technically, technically, I think you can see it on Shutter August 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. but, and then it'll be August 2nd, VOD. So we okay. just kind of to keep it simple saying August 2nd. Yeah. Oh, we should mention too, we're doing a watch along with Rue Morgue on August 1st, which you can join if you go to their site. Um, and you can, Spider and I are going to do a Q&A and watch along. So right. that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, can you guys let people to uh, know where to find you on social media if they want to follow um, you guys, your your films, all that stuff? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I Chrissy Fox on everything uh, on Instagram, Facebook, actually Twitter. I'm Nehi Fox. And uh, you can follow One Fox Productions as well if you want to see what we have coming up and we have a website. Cool. Yeah, same thing. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram, Spider One, and then official power man 5000 of course if you're interested in the band and uh yeah everywhere I you got some upcoming tour dates too well i'm on the road right now yeah, yeah. so uh, this is yeah. my this is a day off so uh <laughs> this is my day off doing interviews in in jacksonville florida in a holiday inn so you know yeah. but i'm gonna <laughs> try to get out and go see nope tonight so i don't know if you oh, guys yeah. have seen it yet or no, i haven't seen I, it yet so yeah. excited to see it i want to see it so bad yeah doing good things though yeah yeah for sure but yeah, I was bummed out because I seen you guys are coming to Mansfield and uh, on Sunday, and I'm not going to be in town. So I was like, oh, damn, I want to go check out the show. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't believe I'm playing. Well, I don't think they call it Great Woods anymore, right? No, it no. It's, it's um, Xfinity I've Center. I've seen so many concerts there. I'm like, man, I'm yeah. getting to play Great Woods. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been awesome and we love the film so i really can't tell people enough to check this out i think it's uh it's unique and it's something people haven't seen before and there i i really do think people are going to love it thank I you appreciate for that. having us thank you no problem. thanks for coming all right on. guys thanks so much right. take it thank easy you guys have a great night you too take care Game over. You lose.